Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, November 19th, 2019, 11, 19, 19. That's Ian Ferguson. That's me. I'm Plucky Pat Contry. Oh, we got stuff to talk about. <laughs> we'll be talking about Google Stadia's launch being a little little uh, messy. Uh, talking about the Sonic 3 prototype being found. We'll talk about Japan's arcades dropping in number. Uh, expensive NES games starting to slide with evidence, maybe? Uh some other stuff going on, Q&A, Patreon poll. Ian, did you have a, you have a nice weekend? I did. Uh, my weekend was pretty simple. Um, I watched uh, all four episodes of the new uh, Toys That Made Us with Vani. Season three. Yeah. It, it, it's, 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 it's edutainment, Ian. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the four episodes, uh, all four were good. There was uh, one on wrestling toys, uh, My Little Pony, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers, and I thought uh, all four were well done. Um, it continues to be one of the few to- uh, shows on toys that I I can actually watch. I don't have a lot of interest in toys or toy collecting. I didn't have a ton of like action figures growing up. Um, you know, I like I get excited when I see new Voltron stuff come out these days, but that's about it. Yet, Toys That Made Us always kind of manages to grab me um, because it's it's not about collecting. It's not about variants and stuff like that. They give you that some of that information here and there. Sure. But it's, it's, it's about how the toys were actually made. And, uh, you know, not all the people are always likable. I mean, a lot of these, you know, a lot of the people they're talking to are, are, are they're, they're advertising people, essentially, who, you know, a lot of these people were who made the toys. But it's an interesting story all the same. Um, and there, really, there's conflicts between the personalities. Yeah, there, there's, there's conflicts. I, yeah. I, I always really enjoy um, each episode. I, I've, I, it was a show I never would have watched because it just seems so far outside of my general realm of interest. Really? Um, except for when I was sick, Vani was watching it the one day, and I came in during the Lego episode, and I was like, "Oh, this is fantastic!" That was and a great I, episode. Yeah, you know, I went back and watched the ones that I missed, and yeah, we've kept up on it since. It's a great show. Yeah, uh, our pal. Andre Meadows, Blackner Comedy, had some appearances in yep. pa- Power Rangers and the Ninja Turtles, Turtles uh, one. And, um, yeah, it's been a great series. It started off with, you know, He-Man and G.I. Joe and Barbie. The Barbie one was fascinating in the first season. There's been 12 episodes over three seasons because that's straight out two people feuding who created it, who created Barbie, the, the, the guy or, or, or the woman. And that was like a, a, a chunk of that, talking right. about that. And that happens a lot because when you, when you work with these toy companies, you have – you have the, the 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 managers, you have the, the designers, you have people that are artists, and it's usually it's usually a collaborative effort. But at the end of the day, someone's probably like, "Oh, I'm, I was the main thrust to do that." And then happened with again with My Little Pony. You had the guy created the My Little Pony basically predecessor. Uh, what was it called? My the, Pretty Pony. My Pretty Pony, which looks like My Little Pony, but it's bigger, chunky, it, very brown. 
Yeah, and, but that's what the but that's what the the woman the, I love that woman that quit after, right before it came out because she wanted she's like I I want real looking uh, ponies because she liked horses and she was all snooty about it. And then she leaves, and then she takes credit for it for semi creating it. So it, it's great because people are adamant. No, he created it or she created it, and the, it's, it's it, they make it fun. They don't make it like vitriolic. They make it sort of a fun back and forth the way they edit it. Yeah, it's not it's not super combative, but you can tell there's tension. No, you can tell there's definitely some tensions there. But I think for a lot of those people, it really is, um, yeah, it's just a job. My Pretty Pony is gigantic. Look it up on eBay. It's like a My Little Pony, except like brownish, and it's like a foot tall. It's like it's gigantic. Yeah, it's it's humongous. <laughs> Uh, and, and then you, you then it went into they go they go into the background of the media, uh, with with the cartoons and the comic book stuff for all these properties. So you get a good history. Like the Ninja Turtle ones was almost like half had nothing to do with the toys. Half the episode, it more had to do with the creation of the comic, the licensing deals. They got the the, the uh, that advertising guy, that hustler that got in there the with fifth no, turtle with with no experience, but helped them, uh, you know, market it and get it out there. Um, it's great. It's great to see those stories like that. That's usually how this stuff happens. It's not, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's some luck. And no, it's it's a fantastic show. Uh, and in, in disclosure, um, I was contacted potentially uh, because uh, the, the producers, at one point at least, were thinking about doing a Nintendo episode. And we'll see if that happens in the future. Um, but like, we, we spoke privately about it that it seems a little cumbersome to do an episode about Nintendo for toys. Well, I, I feel like I feel like if you do Nintendo, then that opens the gate to, well, what about Sega? Well, what about Sony? Well, what about this? That, it, it's not the purview of the show. Not the purview of the show. Keep it strictly toys, not, not a, you know. I'm not saying that there isn't lots of room for a spinoff series there, but I, I don't the games think. games I made us. <laughs> I, if, you do, if you do Nintendo, then I think you're opening up the potential to it very quickly losing the focus on toys and becoming a bunch of other things. Sure. But but the, but the I guess it could be still as a strong brand because all the, all the episodes they've done are really brands. It's not just a singular toy. It's a whole line. It's been, that's how they, they get away with it. Yeah, it's a Nintendo brand. Here's what Nintendo put out. In the seventies, eighties, and nineties, but yeah, it would it have to be a two part episode. They couldn't cover Nintendo in just one episode. I think you'd they, be surprised. They could they could get through it. I think they could do it just fine. I don't gloss think... over the Virtual Boy for a thirty second joke, and then you go into like the they've covered. You know, I mean, they covered shit like Lego. I mean, that's massive. You can, I mean, I'm not saying that you would do Nintendo in great detail in forty five minutes, but you could do it. Okay, I, I would argue that that Lego though, up until a certain point in time, was more simplistic and then when they started branching out with all in the late 90s with all the franchises that's really when it you know it took off that's relatively recent in lego's history it was remember it was it was city uh nights and space for the first like yeah i just think for the amount of years. info they tend to convey i think i think it would be natural to gloss over many points in nintendo oh and yeah just do a 45 minute episode oh sure but they they actually produce toys obviously for for a period of time but that'd be the way they edit they can they could just they have a lot of sly little jokes they can talk about the love motel real quick and they can talk about you know the, the, like the pong machines before they get to like the 70s and things like that yeah so they could probably do it you're right they, they could probably do it but i actually really enjoyed the my little pony episode a lot more than i did because of the characters uh that old woman that i loved that left the company right before my little pony became a hit she, yeah she i was think my that's favorite. i think that's one of my favorite episodes um lego was definitely a good episode hello kitty was a great episode um and the turtles episode i like just because i i like the turtles and that was heartfelt 
with Eastman and Laird sort of yeah. commiserating at the end. It was like almost like uh, an extended episode, at least when you're watching. It's like, oh, this is really nice. Yeah, I don't really know a whole lot about the in-between between them two. I will say this, though, that like through you know the republication of the Mirage Run, Mirage Run and stuff, like through Image and whatnot, um, you can tell something happened, but it always seems like, at least professionally, they're very respectful to each other sure and, i mean it well and it was even mentioned in the sh- in in the episode uh eastman seems to full well take blame for you know things that happened which is oh good. yeah which is good he's like i was younger i was sort of yeah he's eight years younger he was sort of out there and so sounds like um, it may not be fixable but it sounds like they're both in a you know a pretty i actually point. i kind of shed a tear i'm not gonna lie when they like were like sitting down and drawing together at the yeah, end i'm like that's, that's how they start i'm like this is kind of heartfelt good for good for the toys that made us going that extra mile to Get them together yeah. and sort of meet up. That was that was that was heartfelt uh, there. And uh, the other thing that sort of w- kind of touched me where I thought is when 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 they sold everything to Nickelodeon. Uh, w- when P- Peter Laird said, "The only thing I said is I want to be able to keep the independent oh, the pub- the independent I was like, "Oh my god, that like hit me." I was yeah. like, "That's fucking that touched me like in a way I didn't understand." Like because that was still his baby, he wanted yeah. to be able to do something with if it. If he wants to independently publish the comics again, he can. So maybe they maybe the two can get together and do it again. You know. Who knows? We'll see. We got, we got the 40th year anniversary coming up in a few years. So, wow, that's kind of <laughs> wow! Holy shit! 40 years. I know. Uh, anyway, so so what else is going on? Ian, uh, Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it it wasn't in the cards for me this week, just financially. But Vani went and uh, she surprised me and bought me a copy. So I started playing it on Sunday. Um, I've got two gym badges down. Um, I think it's so far a perfectly fine game. Um, it has its issues. It's not that it's without issues. It's not that the people who have complained about uh, there being problems with it are wrong. Um, granted, most of that was done before anyone could play the game. But, uh, yeah, it's a bummer to lose the national decks. Um, and I'm not going to go into all of that. Basically, in, in I would say all Pokemon games, with the exception of the original someone will correct me i'm sure the original i believe it was ruby and sapphire um you've been able to uh through some means or another work pokemon that you had on previous games into the newer versions so basically you've been able to keep your team together for every single iteration losing something like that is big it's a big part of pokemon but it's also i don't think as big of a part of pokemon to everyone as the people who use it all the time See, it's not. I, I there's more casual Pokemon people that who buy the games and play through them, and that, that's it. it. They're not as obsessed. Yeah, they about they buy them, them, they play through it as an RPG, and that and that's the end of it. Um, as much as I like Pokemon, I do admittedly fall into the latter category. I, I don't get too crazy about them. I try to you know get as many Pokemon as I can for that dex. I don't do a lot of the transferring or anything like that. Still, it's a bummer to not have that option. Um, the game, though, I love the design of it. I love the way um, the Galar region looks. It's supposed to look like the UK. It's very nice. There's a lot of meadows. The The villages look nice. Um, I like the way the gym battles feel. Um, they, they, they feel like there's impact to them. Um, the, uh, in terms of just, like, the presentation. The um, Dynamax gimmick that they've added. Uh, the past few Pokemon games have added, you know, little gimmicks during battle. Uh, this one involves your... Pokemon growing to insane sizes um, doesn't really add anything or take away anything, in my opinion. It, to me, it feels like I'm playing Pokemon, um, and that's a good thing. The 
things that I would change with Pokemon that I would like to see change. Um, you know, it's it's a kids game. There's a lot of repetition in look because it lets younger kids play a game and go, okay, I see this character. That character is a nurse. They're going to heal my Pokemon. That person's a shopkeeper. All the shopkeepers look the same. All the nurses look the same. Um, like Lego I, people. I actually kind of like some of the sameness of that. It creates this uniform feeling to it. It feels like a franchise. That said, uh, I would love to see more character models of people, say, in the villages. I mean, I'm looking, you know, and, and this has always been a problem. This is not a brand new thing, but you would hope to see that maybe evolve. Maybe I don't have to see the same old guy with a hat in five different skin colors and five different sweater colors, you know, just endlessly cycled throughout the game. A little bit of variety in that regards wouldn't hurt anything. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I'm I'm enjoying it. And uh, I didn't really want to talk about it, but I mean, really, at the end of the day, I, I, I was looking for things to glow about and I was looking for things to like be angry about, be angry about. Right. And it, I found nothing. It, it's a Pokemon game. And yeah, there is that one big thing missing that is going to affect the hardcore. But I think otherwise it's a it's a it's a good entry. And I really like the Pokemon designs that they've added to this one. That's... I mean, I, I was seeing shit like literally there would be one person would one day be complaining about how. um you know, there's too much focus on Gen 1 Pokemon, the the first generation Pokemon, uh-huh. and then the same person a week later complaining because there's only one Generation 1 starter Pokemon represented. It, it, it gets to the point, like, there are people who are, like, taking videos of stuff and being like, this is insane, this game is just, I can't believe this was released to the public, and it's like, the problem, they need to take a video, then they need to zoom in on what they're trying to show, and then they need to circle it in red. That was literally a tweet. Someone was complaining about this insane glitch, and, like, you had to zoom in on a video and then circle it in red to point it out to people there are people out there lots of people who just want to be fucking angry online really and, Ian? and it's yeah well we've I, I mean, never we've never been the brunt of that no. before and that's gross i can't fucking deal with that if that's how you want to live your life fine what? but it's it's it's, it's absurd like go ahead and make your complaints known um don't be a fucking dick about it the number one thing you can do is not buy the game really yeah voting with your wallet that's the thing yeah, I've already seen okay. people who complained wow. about the game are playing it. So are they already so, so they're supporting so, it. So so the one thing <laughs> you could do to maybe affect change is not buy it. Is not buy it. They're buying yeah. it anyways. They just want to be. They they want it's to be professionally angry all the time. Um, and yeah, it, it's 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 absurd. Um, I, which, but, which, so, which, so but go ahead, voice your concerns, but don't jump into the threads of people who are enjoying it and be like, "But wouldn't it be better if this?" Fuck off! I know what the problems are with the game. You're not. Don't try to ruin something for someone else because, and that that's where my problem lies. Yeah, I, I literally saw someone I know who had been vocal with criticisms, but was like, "I'm gonna buy the game. It's probably gonna be fine. I'm gonna enjoy it despite these problems." Sure. And they buy it, and then someone jumped in and because and they bought it and they're talking about it online and they have a criticism and someone jumps in and is like well did you consider not buying it and the person goes their response was no no it never occurred to me to not buy something that i wanted because with all of its problems it's still a game that is fun and playable and the person's like oh okay man i just you know i worry about people out there it's like you you what? No, you just want to be a fucking asshole. You're not wor- you you you're not waking up in the morning with this fucking grave sense of consumer uh, duty to go out there this, and protect this. people. You just want to be a fucking <laughs> dick. Uh, 
man, this game about pocket furry monsters, I got to make sure people know the truth about it and don't buy it because I don't like it. Yeah, there's, I guess there's people like that. I just can't identify that because I, I matured, I guess, at some point in my life. Where I, you know, it, it's okay. Yeah, that's the one thing that was weird to me is that complaining about other people liking something. Yeah. That was, like, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Why would you complain about someone else enjoying something? Like, if you How weird are you that you can't right. let someone enjoy something? If you don't, even if you don't. If you don't actively like Pokemon or you've been playing all of them and you're feeling burned out, you can probably skip this one for now or wait for a discount. But if you like Pokemon and you want to play more Pokemon, this game is a fine Pokemon yeah. game with some things cut that are unfortunate. And maybe the next one will have all, all the furry creatures you know and well, love from and, 30 years ago. But this is the knows? other thing. I have a you feeling know? that a lot of these complaints that people have about Pokemon, I, I think what they want is no longer a Pokemon game. I, at some point, changing too many things goes from making it a kid-friendly RPG that anyone can get into to something that is for stat heads and for um, people in love with they're spreadsheets. Just, they're all soft reboots, too. And, then, and, and, right? it, and it's it's fine. Like If that's what you want, that's also fine. But at some point, you have to reconcile the fact that Pokemon is not going to be the game is not going to be the game, the dream game that you want as a 25 year old. It's still trying to market itself to kids as well. I think, I think we have to, there's we, a delicate balance we, here and technical issues. Those are things that need to be worked on. You can get a bit more variety in the look. You can tighten up the frame rate, but some things that people want are not going to. I think we have to establish like a, like we're talking about stuff that, that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And that, that we see people get worked about, I saw people bitching about the EXP uh, share, which is like if a Pokemon, like the Pokemon that wins, like some some EXP will be sent to other Pokemon. People complaining about where it says what moves are effective. Like this is just streamlining of a game. These are things that probably would have been in the older versions, but they're like, oh, no, they're kidifying it. They're making it too easy. It's a fucking game for kids. Well, that's the thing, though. But these are kids that are now forty years old that are still. But that's what, I know. That's what I mean. Like, it's a, you need to take maybe, a deep breath and realize that you can attached. still you can still enjoy these things. You can enjoy things that are marketed at kids. It's fine. Nintendo's really good at yes. making things enjoyable for all ages, family but, friendly. But no, they're not going to go back and purposely take out quality of life enhancements because you think it's not fucking hardcore enough. Oh, okay. That's kind of weird. You sound like it. You sound like a fucking asshole when you say shit like that. I think we have to institute. Like, I was trying to think about what's what's a good barometer of whether or not your complaints really rate in the grand scheme of things. How about the diner test? I was thinking about like, say say you have like your fifty eight year old grizzled uh, waitress Flo comes up to you and you're ordering food and she starts jotting down and in the middle of it you reveal something to her that's been bothering you or something that's affecting you. It could be something like, you know, uh, my, my girlfriend just left me. She'd probably stop and go, oh, that, that's a shame, sweetie. I'm sorry. Or if you say, oh, you know, I just found out my, my dog. we got to put the dog down. Oh, that's terrible, hon. I'm so sorry. She'll stop. If, if you say to Flo, who's been working the, the 12-hour shift, uh, my specific pocket monster I loved from 15 years ago isn't in this new iteration of the game. She probably would still just continue to write down your tuna salad order. She probably would not flinch. No, she's not going to. She doesn't know what to say to that. She'd be like, oh, okay, and keep going. And maybe that's the way to think about things. It's Before. okay to be upset with a product release that you were looking forward to. It's not okay to be a huge fucking asshole about it online. I think that's what we have to keep, keep t- t- you know, talking about. And like, and maybe, we, and maybe the angry, angry mobs will eventually, one by one, they'll 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 just relax and. And it's okay you know. to not buy or support things that you don't like either. But here's something: if that's what you're say you're gonna do, then actually do it. Because I have no sympathy for anyone who fucking complains up and down and then buys yeah. it. 
Yeah. Or the same thing with movies. If, if, you, if, Just, think, like, I, if you think a movie's coming out that looks like crap, then don't see it. I don't see movies that – I don't waste money in movies to, 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 to right. yell about them. There, I, didn't, I didn't go see – I love G.I. Joe, Ian. I did not pay to see that piece of garbage. Because I, I just a bitch about it. I, well, I didn't. I think people forget that there's like a middle. There's there's middle grounds that exist, and middle grounds can make a lot of people happy. You don't have to love it and be a. I'm gonna yeah. buy everything Pokemon. Yeah, that's not healthy. You don't have to be all oh, corporate over, overlords. I'll buy whatever you want. No, that's not what we're saying. And I'm also not saying that uh, if you have complaints, you can't buy the game and enjoy it. But I think people who have mild complaints about a game or criticism and buy it and enjoy it realize that they can still enjoy it, but maybe not as much as they were hoping. To. Sure. Like things have flaws. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. But if you're going to spend six months online fucking crying about it, then don't buy it. You probably have a really good life then at that point, if that's the one thing you're bitching about. Because <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen sales, and even if they've dipped, I don't think Game Freak or Nintendo are hurting here. So, you know, it's a vocal minority. You're not. I don't think we're seeing that translated to an actual backlash. And obviously, don't go after the developers. That's insane. Yeah, please don't, don't go after the developers. It's not on. a single person who's sitting there making decisions, trying it's, to yeah. fucking ruin your life. It's it's, a, it's especially it's, for a game like this. It's a group of like two hundred fucking it's dozens people. and dozens of people that you know. Just relax. I mean, just come on, man. Come on, take a CBD gummy. Relax. Yeah. Well, someone was like, there was someone <laughs> online, you know, bitching and calling, you know, these people lazy and this and the next thing. And someone goes, do me a favor, pull up the Pokemon game, watch the credits, and you single out the person that needs to be called lazy. Come on. Come on. Real quick, uh, Ian, uh, about COPA, uh, which is um, the, basically the laws are putting in place to protect children from online uh, content. Um, I have not been. The Children's Online Privacy Protection Act uh, from 1998. Now they're trying to obviously institute with YouTube. And I haven't been keeping track of this as much as I probably should since I don't do content that could be construed as kid-friendly. But there are people online that do. Uh, like like our pal Pixel Dan does toy reviews, yeah. which aren't for kids, but he might be caught in this maelstrom of, of protecting these kids by deeming his channel for kids when it's not. And then he might get in trouble if he says something's not for kids when they think it is for kids. And it's a mess right now in terms of them sort of dealing with this potential issue that they're trying to fast track because YouTube has done horrible in the past protecting children uh, from content right. that's targeted towards them in a nefarious way, whether it's uh, potential uh, pedophile rings using showing kids doing fucking cartwheels or jumping jacks and shit like that that was reported, uh, things of that nature, or the, those those stupid uh, Spider-Man impregnating Elsa videos that fortunately Disney shut the hell down a couple years ago. You know, like... YouTube's always been behind the ball and reactionary when it comes to big issues, when it comes to uh, advertising, when it comes to uh, protecting children, when it comes to... This isn't surprising, but now it, it's really becoming a bigger issue with specific channels and, and, and channels like Chatronic uh, getting in trouble where they like lock down comments on um, videos for no reason, which hurts, your, hurts you in the algorithm. You can't see it. So they're screwing with people. And, and YouTube can do their own things, but it has to do with the transparency and how they their reactions are are usually with an axe and not a scalpel. And that's the issue people has, have right. with YouTube. They're like, oh, we wait – like with the advertisers, well, we waited so long uh, for, for – you know, with, with the – remember the copyright thing where Angry Joe was, was, was complaining about years back? It's like yeah. we did nothing, 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 and now we'll, we'll demonetize you know, all these videos. Instead of having like – you know. Uh, in between steps between doing nothing and doing something. That's what YouTube's horrible at, and I still don't understand how this happens. So um, check out Dan's video. He did a good video about it, Pixel Dan. 
our pal Pixel Dan did about this, and this is going to go in effect relatively soon uh, with, with potential things like the FTC entitled to seek $42,000 fines for each mislabeled video. So if you label something uh, uh, not for kids when it really is, it, it's ridiculous, um, the, the stuff that's, that's coming down the, the, the pipe here. People are going to wonder how do they comply with COPA laws. And yeah, it's uh, it's not good. I, I know in the past these things have worked themselves out over time. Uh, this this to me seems like it, it could be more dangerous than like people claiming copyright because this is you know could potentially shut down entire channels, right? You know, versus just claiming ad revenue. So um, I guess we'll see how how this plays out. There's still time to I guess petition the FTC and the people looking into these things and the laws to make sure that you know this isn't just one fell swoop. They'll just end the channel or get get our pal Dan in trouble for, because he's reviewing action figures that 40-year-old men are collecting. Well, I mean... It's not for kids, you know? Apparently like, they can sue. Yeah, it's it's not... It's not a fun time if you're a content creator in general. It just isn't with YouTube. Uh, the algorithm's not in the favor of, we'll just say, well-produced content anymore. Um, the, it's more about, you know, what, what's, what's the hot topic versus... Uh, a brand-driven uh, content and, and personality-driven content. There's are exceptions, of course, what I'm talking about in general. So, all right, we'll ch- look into it. it it's, it's something for, obviously, that the general person won't worry about, but it, it will affect people we know potentially uh, there. And real quick, of course, the, the certain uh, Super Nintendo guidebook is available at ultimatenintendo.com alongside the NES guidebook, and it should be up on Amazon any day now. If Amazon, if Amazon gets their act together and, and helps out Pat here. And oh, I forgot to mention, Ian, I just recorded the director's commentary. I don't. I haven't mentioned a huge amount recently. I direct uh, director's. Commentary. Ah, you did that on Saturday or Sunday? Uh, on Sunday, I recorded the whatever Blu-ray commentary with the director for the Not for Resale video game store documentary. So that's going to go to press hopefully soon, and then we're hoping, cross our fingers, that uh, in December it'll be available on Amazon Video on Demand uh, to either rent or purchase. That's that's the plan there. Excellent. And it's it's fun. You, you haven't really seen it yet, have you? No, I haven't. I've seen the trailer, and that was that. You like the trailer? Yeah. It's it's it'll be it'll be a fun little 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 documentary. And I think already uh, there's already a, a big convention next next year lined up to to screen it. Uh, so we're excited there. All right, we're gonna start with this podcast. All right. When we have, I mean, we call it an intro, but it's not. It's the first three topics. That's right. <laughs> Ian, uh, Google Stadia. We we had a we had a discussion about it last week. How the bandwidth infrastructure and we'll just say um meager lack of game offerings at the launch was was problematic yeah at the start and now that this is actually launching it seems like there could be some other issues going on here so the uh yeah the reviews are starting to roll in and across the board they tend to be pretty mediocre and when you read them depending on what you're looking for the reviews to me start to go from reading mediocre to pretty poorly um for something like Google Stadia to work, Google Stadia is, we, we've covered it, but if you're just tuning in, um, Google Stadia is uh, Google's new video game streaming service. It's not like a Netflix, unlike the f- kind of poor Wired review starts off with. Um, oh, they said it's like a Netflix? Yes. It, the intro was not well written in that one. It's like a Netflix in so much that it is streaming you something. It's not like a Netflix in that you are you have to pay for the games that you're playing. It's not a... Basically, you don't pay for a Google Stadia subscription and get um, 
a bunch of free stuff, right? They, they say they're going to roll out more free games, but right now it's just Destiny 2, which is free to play on anything else that you could get Destiny 2 on. Um, but basically, you buy the games like you would any other game. You buy them for full price, and uh, the game streams to your display off of a central server hub somewhere. So you're looking to basically eliminate buying a game console. That's basically what this is trying to do for you. And it opens up your ability to play things on more than one place. Tablet or another phone, PC or or, or anywhere else. Yeah. Anything that can hold the app, anything that can stream a video can, you know, ostensibly run Google Stadia. That's what you're paying for. So in theory, it's a neat idea. However, we're just not there yet technology-wise. It requires... um, it, what what do they want? A thirty five? I think they want for four K. They want a thirty five. Uh, yeah, meg- megabyte. MBPS. Megabits. Okay. So the reviews have started to come in, and uh, basically, it's a spotty mess, and the results wildly vary. Um, I was reading the one review. I believe it was the Ars Technica review um, talking about how... By the way, it's $10 a month, the subscription service, we should say. So it's... I'm sorry, yes. So it starts off right now at $10 a month. Um, That's what gives you access to 4K. Um, Starting in February 2020, the base app is going to be free, limits you to 1080p. Um, So basically you get higher... They guarantee higher resolutions, and I believe they lock you... They say they lock you in at like 60 frames per second or something. And also then you get access to... um, you know, uh, deals through being a member and uh, other things. So at launch, there's no trophies. Uh, the family sharing oh. is non-existent. Oh. Uh, so right out the gate, uh, things that were promised for launch are, are not here. Um, they said they'll be coming out within the next few weeks. And uh, lag definitely seems to be an issue. Well, as not we, shocking. As we would have guessed. Not shocking. Um, the... Uh, user on Twitter, let me just find Is there it. a stress test review we can look at? or I don't know. I'm going to look up a Google Stadia stress test. So, um, one person was shown uh, Tech crunch. using Tech crunch. their um, uh, using the, I believe it was the Washington Post gigabit ethernet, uh, and they were playing uh, a first person shooter and they press the jump button and there's literally, he presses the jump button goes like this. And then the character jumps. It's like a full half second to second. Yeah, delay. Bad. Um, lots of people talking about how if it's wired in, it's better. Of course. However, uh, I believe that was a disparity between the um, wired and the Ars Technica review. Uh, one said that their time with it wired in was pretty good. You know, so there was a couple milliseconds lag here and there. Um, but I believe it was the Ars Technica one, or maybe it was the Washington Post one. I was looking at. Basically, wired did not seem does not seem to be a cure all for this uh, this 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 uh, for Google Stadia. Just sure. because you're wired does not mean you're going well, to have a good. Um, you're, a, you're still sharing data with. A house around you, even if you're wired in, or other people in the house. And it's just a more pure connection than Wi-Fi. And I'm glad a couple of these reviews have both brought up playing Mortal Kombat on they Google have. Stadia okay. uh, and saying that it's it it it, it starts it. yeah it starts to feel like a mess, especially if you're in Wi-Fi. The um, Wired review was like I said a little bit more positive about it. Wired being, gave it a six out of ten, by the way. Uh, like. It was a little bit more positive about it being, uh, like I said, if you if you actually have it hardwired, um, they said that you know they could still pull off moves and things weren't all that you know bad. But once they tried to do it Wi-Fi, uh, it was 
extremely difficult. The reality we are is there's less and less people that are wiring in it. Like, yes. you're not wiring in at a, at a cafe somewhere or at a, at a at a hotel. Right. They don't even offer those anymore. You know, at most of those places. So, I I I have good internet. You know, I don't wire in. I have a mesh Wi-Fi, and that's stronger than a regular Wi-Fi. But I'm wondering if this is going to be good enough for this. I feel like trying it out, just to see. So, um, they increased the number of launch games right before. I did. They? they did. Uh, so now the launch list is uh, what I just ha- I just had it open. Now it closed. Uh, Google Stadia launch games. They just added uh, a few more. Uh, they just added two days before Attack on Titan Final Battle 4 Farming Simulator 2019 this was just two days before launch they announced it I thought we talked talk about Farming Simulator before yeah we did okay it's still like the 20 about 22 uh, Just Dance okay so it's the same list we talked about last week then so I'm not sure what this article is talking about yeah so the, the, the issue is when you do a gigantic launch like this that's you know Really pumped up. Google's not a small company, obviously. They have a ton of money. They're, they're, you know, they're as big as Apple. You know, you want to make sure it goes pretty smoothly or else public perception and customer perception could throw you off from the start and sort of, you know, hang an albatross around, around your head for this to go forward. And the fact that this launch has been so rough, we can talk about the, the Reddit that, that went horribly bad. Um, this does not bode well for the future of a product that was on shaky ground to begin with. I mean, it just doesn't. Right. Um, so this is a thread uh, from Russell Holly talking about the, the, the Sadia team. Did a, they did a on the 13th did a Reddit AMA, and so um, uh, highlighting things that, like you said, the achievement system won't have a UI UI at launch, but it'll be capturing them, but not at launch. It won't be. Uh, existing Chromecast Ultra will not support Stadia on launch. Well, that's day. It will capture them, but it won't tell you that you have them. So yes. that's a weird place for well, it to be. And it's recognizing that you're achieving them. It's just not going to show you that you've achieved it. them. You know, it comes later. Uh, your existing Chromecast Ultra will not support Stadia on launch day. Only the Founders Edition Chromecast Ultra will support Stadia on launch day. So, so one of the things about this is that if you have Chromecast built into your TV, you don't have to buy any extra hardware. Or, you know, that's a good thing, but it's not going to work for some people. So that's not good. Uh, family, like you said, family sharing is not going to work. The team recommends just going ahead and buying a second version of that $60 game so your kid can play on their account. Then eventually you'll be, you'll be able to share the other games. Wow. Okay. And these are responses from Google employee on the Amy Reddit. Uh, Stadium iOS is uh, slated for eventually. Uh, the response was, oh man, I wish I knew for a time from When you're a representative of a company, you do not say, Oh man, I, I wish, wish I, I knew. knew. That does not give confidence in, in sort of what's going on no. in the production there. Um, there might be one stated title with Stream Connect by the end of the year. Street, state Share and Crowd Play aren't coming until next year. I didn't know what, what was it. What was the Crowd Play again? Was, was I didn't know what that was. What was Google Stadia Crowd Play? Was that supposed to be a Google Stadia, uh, School Stadia Crowd Play? What was what was good about that? Crowd play is a part of the let's see, allows viewers of a live stream to join in the game directly with the stream creator. That's actually a cool idea. If you're on Twitch or what have you, with the latency though, that seems like an absolute mess. But anyway, that's not going to be coming until for a while. Um, I'm sorry, I do want to just go back and clarify. I had it mixed up. The uh, Ars Technica review is the one that uh, was basically stating it was uh, pretty good wired, uh, like hardwired. Uh, it got bad when it was. Um, 
when it was Wi-Fi, the Wired review itself actually says, uh, this is talking about uh, Mortal Kombat 11, uh, even under ideal conditions, fiber connection directly plugged into a router 4K HDR OLED TV, <laughs> uh-huh. there is a noticeable difference between playing a game on Stadia and running the game on local hardware like a PC or PS4. There's a certain clarity, depth, and sharpness you get when a game is rendered in real time, and that's absent with a stream no matter how high the quality is. Yeah. So, look, I'm sorry, I, I, I was trying to parse a bunch of different reviews. That's okay, that's okay Ian, you're not perfect. I love you. Yeah. All right. It's a lot to go through with this, but I guess I guess what what we're trying to impart is that this is this is a a, a really bad launch so far. I'm not sure how much they can clean this up. They can add a UI for achievements. They can put in the crowd play, but at the end of the day, it's the it's the bandwidth infrastructure that is going to kill this product probably. Right. And I, I would be real leery of investing any money into a Google service because uh, Google is not known for, you know, sticking with things that 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 don't work for them. They're not even known for sticking with things that generally do work for them. I mean, they shut down stuff all the time. Uh, Stadia Buddy Pass, which is supposed to be a Founders Edition feature that allows you to gift Stadia to a friend for three months. That's actually not a bad idea to get someone to try it. Will not be available to Founders at launch. Uh, one of the many things Assistant is supposed to do on Stadia, the one feature available at launch, is starting Stadia on the Chromecast. All right. Using Assistant to put something on your TV has been a feature for over a year now. This isn't new. I'm not familiar with Chromecast, so someone out there would have to leave a comment let me know what the Assistant actually does. Uh, accessibility features is in the planning stage. So that's not going to be there for if you have a, something that will be able to, you know, they're not thinking about it right now. It just seems like they're like six to eight months behind a real launch. Like this, is, it seems like they're not even in beta yet. This isn't even a beta. This is an alpha version of this product. And, and to if me. you just want, uh, you know, evidence of the fact that Google will drop anything that it's drop. At, at, at any notice, uh, go to killedbygoogle.com oh, and you can. Is that go, a website? And you can go through <laughs> an extensive, killed. extensive graveyard of things that Google has killed, things that Google had, and that Google no longer. Support. It's it's and it's about a hundred. Holy shit! This is over a hundred things that they destroyed. Some small, but some big ones like Google, Google Plus, Google Hangouts, Google Plus. Google, Google Hangouts is gone. Google Glass, Google Hangouts is on its way out. It, it, They're it, cycling it, it out. In in its, I believe in how it's in its old way. Um, it's changed a lot, but yeah, they they're killing it in a year. That was announced like two weeks ago. Really? So right as they're announcing another new pro, uh, you know, program or another new. Uh, what do you want to call it? Service. Uh, they're killing other ones. Ones that are used by people. I mean, it's not that these are like languishing and not used by anyone. They may not be the most popular in the field, but they are used. And Google just gets rid of all of this stuff. Oh, YouTube Gaming's gone? See, I didn't realize that that, that, that was a disaster from the start. I didn't realize that. Oh, YouTube I, Gaming's gone? Yeah, it was It was See? a separate website. It was, game, it was gaming.youtube.com. Um, and it was like a whole different interface to make it more... Like it's focused on gaming first. I mean, there's still you can still do like streaming on on YouTube and you can play games and stuff. But that whole entire entity being separate, oof! I remember that was when I first looked at that. I was like, this is not a good idea having a whole separate interface. Once like Google had like, its Google Allo, uh, that was supposed to be like its its own messaging service that was killed uh, eight months ago. That lasted three years. A lot of stuff was killed off in a year or two. But the average is like two years. Yeah. So if you're interested in Stadia, here's my suggestion. If they're going to support this out of spite, wait two years. Then maybe there might be a chance it'll stick around. But it's I, I don't think it's going to make it. 
Oh, Google Hangouts is going to be gone. We still use them for our monthly Patreon Hangouts. Well, technically, we use the video call, which is a little different. Oh, that's true. Hired by Google, gone in less than 10, 10 months. Holy shit. Like, that's just now. <laughs> wow. This is a huge company that is just all over the map, obviously. And um, when you get into something that's not necessarily in your wheelhouse to begin with, like video games, this could be the end result. When this is the direction of your company, when you have so many different things going on. Oh, it's 190 things they've destroyed. I'm not saying a company, obviously, a company that's been around for you know for 20, 25 years almost, they have the right to, to end these things. But it's just the frequency that we see this. Yes. 16 hardware things that they've, they've uh, destroyed. If you click on the hardware thing. Oh, really? Yeah, on the top. Uh, Google Wallet Card. Google Glass Explorer Edition. Google Play Edition. Google TV. I didn't know that was even gone. Okay. Uh, Nexus Q, Google Mini, uh, Chromecast Audio. So Google Clips. That, what is, Google Clips was a miniature clip on camera? They just killed that this year. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. Did Google Glass, was that ever for sale to consumers, Google Glass? I don't know. I remember, I remember people at Comic-Con walking around with it looking like dorks, like, what was that, five, six years ago? Yeah. You know, that was, was going to change the world. <laughs> you know, like, No. It's not going to do anything. It'll be a contact lens or an implant. We'll eventually probably get to access internet in our heads, if you want to be honest. That's probably what we're going to end up doing. Uh, so, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll check back on a year to see if this is still alive. What, what are the odds? You want to give it 50-50? This is going to be around in a year? I now? started by giving it a year. And then I kind of half-jokingly said it's not going to make it six months. And now I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see a full rollout in February 2020. You think so? I don't. I just don't know where it goes from here. I'll give it two to one that this is there a year from now. I'll lay, I'll lay 100 bucks. I, I was talking to a friend online. I think there yeah. is a good chance that they spite support this. Okay. They, because I mean, for, for what the the, the five thousand people that end up getting this, they've 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 pushed it so hard as the future. I wouldn't be surprised if they. I think that they will. I I think they won't be smart about it, and they will try to hold on to this for a year to two years. But oh, it would not surprise God. me if this does not make it to February. Wow. Okay. I'll be a little more optimistic, but I don't think this is going to last a year. Yeah. Or if it does, they'll just like support it, but never advertise it or mention it. It'll just be like Google Plus, where yeah, right. it's around. But well, and you know, we we don't have this as a separate topic, but I'll bring it up real quick. Um, Microsoft uh, announced at their um, they do like a yearly convention, uh, and it's you know it's their like um, their expo. Yeah, it's their like expo, and there wasn't a ton announced that I I, I feel like necessarily mentioning, but they did. Um, they announced their essentially essentially their version of this and that it will be uh usable with uh Xbox Game Pass. Oh, so that makes sense. I do which Game is Pass. Like fucking 200 games available for I think it's like 45 bucks for 3 months. They're doing a sale right now. I got a really? month. I got 3 months for a dollar. Really? For a fucking dollar. You tell me this, Ian. I could have tried it. Uh, play some, I, I, I would have... We could play some Halo against each had other. Had I thought that you might play it, I would have said something. I just streamed last weekend, Ian. Um, but yeah, Microsoft... I, I wish I... I can't even remember that. Oh, it's still going on right now for a limited time offer. Yeah. Microsoft Game Streaming Service is... What? Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Is that what it is? No. Oh, it's something else besides this. No, because they're they're literally doing a Stadia, but it's probably going Stadia to... Stadia incorporating Game Pass, which makes sense. You have yeah, the games to use with right. it. Right. Uh, it's... 
It, xCloud. I knew it had some, some stupid name. xCloud. <laughs> but it's going to be the same thing as Stadia, only you'll be able to attach it with a Game Pass that is giving you like 150 free games. Now, not all of those, I'm sure, will be usable on it, but it just seems like... It seems like... It seems like it makes far more sense for Microsoft to add it as a service into what they already do than suite. Google to try to reinvent this and do it from the ground sure. up. Sure. Especially when, um, like I said, Game Pass is exceedingly affordable. Um, it's constantly on sale. And then you really do end up with something like the Netflix of sure. video games. So that can exist. Stream it to and wherever. Then you have the Apple one for the 5 bucks a month, which is a great deal. There's over 100 games right now on the Apple one. Yep. You know, so... And that's and you you stay with what you know, Ian. That's I think that's what business is. You, you you do what you know. You don't try to go off too far. Sure. You know we're we're not going to do that. Don't call me. You know we're we're not going to come out with the uh, the CU podcast swimmies. You know maybe we can do it. It's probably not in our the purview to do that. You want to do some swimmies? No. Okay. All right, Ian. Some good game. Pre- we're on a good roll with game preservation. The sure. past the past year really, uh, we are and. Uh, from news from hiddenpalace.org about Sonic 3. So a Sonic 3, a Sonic the Hedgehog 3 prototype was dumped um, by hiddenpalace.org. Um, and it's a big deal because, one, the way the development of Sonic 3 happened, uh, there it was always assumed that there weren't going to be many prototypes out there at all. And I'll get to that in a moment. Um but it's an interesting snapshot of the game, apparently, from right as it was starting to split into two pieces. Well, you explain the so, split here. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 was started uh, almost immediately after Sonic the Hedgehog 2 finished. Um, it was supposed to look a bit like Sonic 3D Blast, uh, the isometric, slightly overhead okay. uh, Sonic game. Um, and it wasn't development wasn't going well. Well, Sega had already basically signed on to do a uh, promotional deal with McDonald's. Um, And it was basically from everything I've read set in stone. There was no way for them to really get around. this. It was locked in a specific date. Yeah. It was like February. I believe stuff had already been manufactured, was being manufactured. So February 94, that was a deal. So they went back to the drawing board and they decided to continue making, they decided to make Sonic three. But they, they were going to do it like Sonic two. They were going to make it a side scrolling sprite based. Right. Well, they got ahead of themselves, and basically it didn't look like they were going to be able to finish everything in time, so that's when they decided to kind of split it off into two chunks. Sonic 3 is, it was originally going to be Sonic 3 Part 1, and then Sonic and Knuckles was Sonic Sonic 3 Part 2. They gave it a different name uh, based on the story, and when you put the Sonic and Knuckles card on top, this is something that still impresses me with people who even have some knowledge of video games who don't but haven't played Sonic. They are not two separate games. They were sold to you separately, but the lock-on technology, yes, if you plug Sonic 2 into the top of Sonic and Knuckles, you get to play as Knuckles in Sonic 2. It's just uh-huh. a bonus feature. Plugging Sonic 3 on top of Sonic and Knuckles, it's not a bonus feature. What it does is it puts the two parts of the game together and makes it a whole game. When you start Sonic the Hedgehog 3, it doesn't give you any save spots. When you start Sonic and Knuckles, there's save spots. You can pick and choose whether or not you want to use just Sonic, Sonic and Tails, Knuckles, uh, just Tails. When you put the two games together, it does that. It strings everything together, and it gives you one big 12-level game. And there are a couple of things it edits, such as like it, 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 it slightly edits the end game of Sonic 3 if you were just playing it on its own. So anyways, basically, Sonic, uh, Sega got themselves into some trouble. 
had to split it off into two parts. They were so behind on it that, um, and they didn't want stuff leaked, and they were so concerned about how, like, controlling how the uh, game was shown uh, and, and presented in you know publications that uh, most of the people who played it, journalists and whatnot, they were not sent prototypes. They were flown out to Sega to play it, so Sega could control essentially their demo experience. Sure. Um, the original influencers, but they were just pe- journalists, probably. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why everyone thought it would be nearly impossible to ever find a Sonic the Hedgehog three prototype if they existed, because ideally they shouldn't have ever really left the building. They should have been with Sega. They would have all been there. So, um, this was released and it shows, uh, this is the Sonic three. Um, the Sonic three prototype was released. Uh, it still shows, um, the, uh, the, uh, aerial battery zone, which is not in Sonic three. Um, and oddly enough, it was not using the songs that were uh, in the later part of the game. They were not using the songs that were done by Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson's uh, production team. They were using the tracks that were on the PC version of the game, which is interesting because uh, it was, you know, there were some people out there who always theorized, okay, when they did the PC version, they put, they made, you know, they made some tracks to put in there to replace the the tracks that were done by Michael Jackson's sound team, I'm guessing for licensing issues or, you know, rights, mo- monetary reasons. But it appears that they were actually in the game initially and then probably last minute replaced by the tracks that were, were done were by Michael Jackson's sound how team. How many of Michael Jackson's tracks were used in the final? Game? I don't know, but, I mean, that's a different topic and a different story. Okay. Because I think, I think from what I read, they had to hire a bunch of different people to help hodgepodge it together because they were in such a rush to complete it well and that's what it sounds yeah. like it, i mean uh, this was so this this prototype that they dumped is supposedly only um it, it was supposed to only be from a few weeks before the final rom was set in stone mm-hmm. the gold rom for you know production and uh you know it's it's still got differences all over the place um so i'm trying to find the the list here because it does go into it uh, and oh man, the differences. There are things people dream of when they. These are differences that people dream of when they think of prototypes. This prototype reflects a moment. This is directly from the hiddenpalace.org okay. article. Prototype reflects a moment in development in the game. It just began to split itself into two parts. Flying battery is still here, complete with bosses, with lava reef present and leftover data. Lava reef is in um, Sonic and Knuckles. Okay. Um, all three bonus stages are present, although all of them are unfinished. The special stages are just programming tests at this point. Just a few weeks out from when the gold ROM was supposed to be done, the special stages are still just programming tests. Um, oddly enough, Angel Island contains the most differences, and that's the first level in the game. Um, it presents more questions than answers. Why does the game have a drop dash like ability for Sonic? Why is there a second unique style of special stage that's just not there? Was Flying Battery going to be part of Sonic 3 Part 1? And above all, why is the music for later stages completely different and based on the tracks from the PC part? Port? Where's Michael Jackson? In many ways, it feels like playing... So- but so. There's probably temp, temp tracks even, maybe, before right. replacing them, I guess. So this was so this was, this was was a rush. And yeah. then it sounds like they were still like trying to separate this out really close. And what's yeah. funny is, like, in, 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 you know, Sonic 3 and Knuckles you know, what people tend to call it when you put the two together and you play the full fucking game, um, is easily one of my favorite platform games of all time. I don't think I've ever played it before. It's, it's, I it's, played Sonic 1 and 2. It's brilliant. I think it's just about uh, perfect. I'll check it out, Ian. It's just about perfect, in my opinion. There was once a time where I would go through and beat it once a summer. 
just for shits and giggles. With, I the, with the lock on altogether. Yeah, and I haven't okay. done that in a while. But it's a great game. But, like, it's it's even more amazing to me now, like, looking at this prototype and hearing about the development, how how much of this game should have been a total fucking disaster? They pulled they pulled it together. Yeah. Somehow. So And, and gave you two games. Uh, but well, the, <laughs> well, even back then, that was bullshit. I mean, well, the original Sonic game, I think, is like ten or eleven levels. I think the second one is eleven or twelve. Oh, so you knew as a kid you were getting oh, shortchanged. You, you, yeah, you, you were like, "Why is this so fun?" Yeah, no, why you, is it so short? You got six levels. That I mean, that when you look at it in the moment, that was the 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 failure of the game. It was so short compared. Yeah, to, all yeah. the acts had two levels only. In you know, in Sonic and uh, Sonic One, you know, some of them had three. You got six act. You got six zones, two acts each. You got twelve stages. You got nothing in Sonic Three compared to Sonic Two or Sonic One, and then Sonic and Knuckles did the same thing. But then when you realize you put it to you put the two of them together, you do you get a big full size Sonic game with multiple characters to play through and all sorts of great shit to do. So you bought your Sonic and Knuckles. You didn't get it as a packing. You you just used uh, was it was it a, was it a packing with one of the later Genesis mini release uh, Genesis Two's releases? No, I don't believe so. Sonic wasn't it? it might have been. I, I don't know. That's not how I got it. My packing was Sonic One. I got. It I mean, later it. on when they did the when they did the Genesis Two, I thought Sonic and Knuckles was a packing. Oh, on. I don't like, know. It I'm talking later on in its life because um, that's how I think I had. I don't think I have a Sonic and Knuckles in the box. And it seems fairly uncommon looking on eBay with the box. So yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting story, and it's also with the help of our buddies at Cutting Room Floor. There we don't talk about that much. It sounds like they had a, they had a hand in helping. Oh, I'm sorry. Get this prototype. Yeah. What's that? Sorry about that, guys. Oh, that's okay. I mean, yeah, this is this is great news. Um, you know, and I don't know. It doesn't really get into how they got the <laughs> the ROMs, but they had they had a, no. Honestly, someone. that's less important yeah. than just having it. Yeah, sure, it's fine. So, yeah, I don't have much more to say than that. But I mean, it's it's interesting, and uh, I mean, it's a really neat picture of where the game was, even just a little bit before. Now, is this going to be a, a, a public ROM release or no? Is it all just it's basically that they, they just, that I don't know uh, that I don't see here. Either way, they they dumped it, they saved it, they they documented it. Uh, that's good. Oh, cool! Sonic running down a little snow 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 mountain. That's a cool thing to see. Well, did I, that ended up in any of the games? Um, I'd have to go. Yes, it did okay. Yeah, but it's, it's just putting it in this prototype was made it weird before they split it out. All right, well, Ian, thanks for the little history lesson. Yeah, because I, I, I really don't know anything about Sonic, so uh, I think I beat the first game maybe back in the day. I don't know. I should stream that for fun. I should do that. Ian, imagine a holiday season, the wind bristling, maybe some snowflakes falling, where you get to escape the long lines, crowded parking lots, and pushy salespeople. Sounds pretty nice, right? That's exactly how every day can be with Mint Mobile. This year, skip the line, skip the hassle when you shop Mint Mobile. The online wireless provider that delivers unbelievable savings directly to you. For a limited time, Mint Mobile is offering the best deal in wireless. Save up to 40%, 40% on their three-month phone plan, starting at 15 bucks a month. 40% off, Ian, that's nuts, and it's for a limited time. This is a deal. For 15 bucks a month, you get 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data, plus unlimited nationwide talk and text. That's 40% off their standard rate. They use the T-Mobile towers. This is a real nationwide network here. Use your own phone. As long as it's unlocked, you can use your phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your, all your existing contacts. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has, has you covered with their 7-day 
money back guarantee take advantage of this mint mobile deal before it's gone wow yeah uh to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free go to mintmobile.com slash cu podcast that's mintmobile.com slash cu podcast cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash cu podcast all right ian yes we love talking about arcades on the CU Podcast. We do. It's our wet dream to own an arcade of our own. Mm. Uh, report from An- Anime News Network. Uh, Japan's arcades dropped from 26,000 to 4,000 in 32 years. Doing some quick pat math, that's like an 80% drop. That's nuts. In, in number of arcades from, what was that, 1987? Holy shit, that's 32 years ago? 87, 86? Wow, it goes back to 86. Okay, the Abiba Times website reported on Monday there are only about 4,000 arcades in Japan as of 2018, down from the peak of 26,000 in 86. So this is 86 they did report in 2018, just reporting on it now. Uh, in the article, the managers of Tokyo Arcades, GameSpot Versus, and Game Newton mentioned that console games and smartphone games have evolved to match the graphic capabilities of arcade games and that people can also play multiplayer over the internet without the need to meet up in an arcade. While there are still people playing classic games such as Street Fighter 2, the average age of arcade game players has steadily increased over time to the point that arcade-run tournaments will commonly have people age 40 or above. That brings out a great point, because we was talking about, yeah, it's natural that arcades have declined because, you know, game technology evolved. You, if you want to say by the PS2 era, Dreamcast for sure, you know, uh, that the technology of consoles matched the arcade or, or outdid them by the late 90s. So it's only natural that they receded uh, there. But it is a great point about how when you grow up with arcades, you're more inclined to be used to them and want to pursue them again. So that's why... I, if I see an arcade, I want to go in it because I grew up with them. I was in them when I was five years old in, in dingy arcades. Or my dad let me off by my, my, my lonesome and hopefully not get get uh, kidnapped by, by a biker gang that was hanging out there, which actually kind of happened. Not kidnapped, but they were around. Anyway, um, that's a great point because even if arcades exist, who's actually going to them still? And and who's going to make sure they're there 20 years from now? And it, not saying that arcades can be aged out. There's always going to be a Dave and Buster's. They, always, they still make new games. and There's new Mario Kart arcade game. But think about the proliferation of what games are going to be made and who's going to be playing them uh, over time. And I think that that could be an issue that's going to be hard to wrap your head around. And not saying that they're going to be able, they're going to just die out over a generation. But they will start to recede, I think, more and more. And while Barcades is sort of helping invigorate it, um, I, I don't know if that's going to be something that a five-year-old, five-year-old now is going to want to go to 15, 20 years from now. I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question because that's something that's totally foreign to them. You know, will, will a ten-year-old that grows up with a tablet in their hands will even want to care to try arcade games? To them, that's going to be so foreign by that point in time. Games that'll be fifty years old. You know, Pac-Man to a ten-year-old when the time they're thirty is going to be fifty years old or so. Um, that's something. Or 60 years old, just about. That's going to be something that I, I have to wrap my head around about. How are they going to know about the experience to begin with? They go and try it. Or is that going to be an oddity they do one time and then never again? And um, that's that's something that, that's a, that's a tough tough pill to swallow, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I, I think I have a slightly less dire outlook on, um, on them. Um There's there's always a reason for people to go out 
and socialize. There's always, just because video games are better at home doesn't mean that they cannot be fun to go out and play. However, as we've talked about on here many times, the nature of, you know, you don't have to go out to play video games anymore. We can do that at home. We have that option now. So the thing is about this article is I'm pretty sure it should, I'd have to go and look. I'm trying to find it. But just two weeks ago, um, when they were talking about the closing of the Japanese, the, the warehouse arcade, yeah, the one that looks yeah. like Kowloon Walled City, Links in there. there was an article I was reading that said, you know, numbers actually show that the arcades in Japan, uh, the amount opening is actually slightly on the rise. So while we've seen a large drop in 30 years from this number to this number, what I'm trying to figure out is... Is there was there a dip and then a slight bump up? Like what what what's the total? Like what was the lowest point in the past thirty years? Um, Four thousand arcades in Japan is a lot of fucking arcades. That's a lot. It's still a decent J- amount. Japan, Japan is small. Japan's smaller than California. To put it in perspective, I looked um, it up before this. Before I looked it up before this podcast. There's four thousand arcades in North America. Sure. So it's not like Japan's hurting for arcades, but the era of that being how people play these games and how people go out and socialize is 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 over. But the there is still a need for arcades, as evidenced by the ones that open up and do well around here, places like Quarter World in Portland. It, there is still a social aspect to to this. Sure. So I don't think they're ever going to go away entirely. I don't think everyone's just suddenly going to go, oh, arcades are too dusty. I just don't think there needs to be that many. We're not we're not in an era with overflowing coin boxes anymore. Well, it also speaks to the population. Are kids going out and hanging out in malls anymore on the weekend? You know, are they right. doing that or are they just sitting at home texting? I mean, this isn't a old man yelling at clouds, but I don't know. You were forced to go out and socialize when you were a child. You didn't have right. a choice. Now, you know, you know I think there's uh, there's a market for arcades, but now it's a destination you think thing you do at night. It's not something you stumble into. I would be I would love to see a study like this done in the U.S. At, the, at what probably someone probably knows the, the a general number just based upon how many amusements uh, were being sold about how many arcades existed in nineteen let's say let's say the peak nineteen eighty two eighty three versus now you know how many were out there. Um, I would love to know how much less it's probably in the U.S. probably ninety percent less arcades at least. Oh, I'm sure. Pro- I'm sure the drop could be 95%. I mean, there used to be random arcades that would just be in, you know, strip malls or just around or in and every in every arc- uh mall there was a real arcade. I'm not sure is there still an arcade in every mall or are they like the the like the sort of like Dave and Buster's types where it's a lot of redemption machines sort of thing. So so the number of video arcades in North America. Oh, so here we go. Good old Google. Just how many arcades in America? Uh, more than doubled between 1980 and 82, reaching a peak of 13,000 video game arcades across the region compared to 4,000 today. In the North America, it was 13,000. That's what they said the peak was. So it's, it's 4,000 seems like it's still pretty high. That seems high. They're probably. I mean, I, I looked up a couple numbers. I saw anywhere from I think three thousand eight hundred to four thousand were the numbers that I saw. For but that's cards. probably what's your point. And like I said, that's they probably North came back. America. The, the probably yes. the, the low point was probably uh, early two thousands. Probably like so, like two thousand one to two thousand five. Probably is when yeah. they all got cleared out and all those arcade auctions. Late nineties when they they were hanging on, then they fell off a cliff after that. I wonder what it would have been like fifteen years ago. Yeah, well, that'd be an interesting number. But they've definitely come back. There's more and more barcades opening up. Um, so that's great. Uh, without that, I don't know where we would be. Drinking, yay! <laughs> Didn't yeah. do that. And like, what, like, like, was it Nickel City? We got to visit there. Like, there's still places like that here and there, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to go back there. All right, well, it's an interesting article. It's something to think about. I'm just thinking about eating 25 years from now when we're old men. You know, is there going to be a... 
kid that grew up never playing arcade games is going to constantly go to an arcade. I think arcade. there's always going to be something that resembles something that... an arcade. Whether it's what we think of as an arcade, no, but I think it's going to fit the reasonable description of an arcade. Or is the change already happened to the extent where a five-year-old will, will, get, will go to Chuck E. Cheese and it's 95% redemption games. You maybe have a few games, they sit sure. down, sit down, you know, games or like gun games. So they'll always be familiar with an arcade, but it'll be radically, like I said, to your point, radically different than what a, a basically a barcade is what a traditional arcade used to be. Yes. That's basically what an eighties arcade was with it, with the type of games they have uh, there. But, uh, but yeah, people grow up and they die. <laughs> so, well, I love spy hunter. I don't know if a five-year-old will want to play Spy Hunter. I, I would say yes, because the, 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 the chip tunes are fantastic in there. Or synth, synth tunes, really. FM synth tunes. And uh, you want that nice uh, that nice steering wheel with the little buttons to hit everything. It's very tactile. All right, moving on here. All right, Ian. Pat. Um, we haven't talked about the value. Oh, no, value. The value of certain uh, games in a while. I mean, we, we it's now... a. You know, it's now almost cliche. We talked about how NES games peaked a few years ago in terms of, of terms of the, the, the price value and probably in terms of the of people wanting to collect them. Um, but it's happened to your in your eyes with other cartridge based systems as well. Here, yes, and uh, we saw at Portland this year how it sort of shifted away from cartridges somewhat, at least uh, to the late '90s, early 2000s era. Um, to be the predominant, you said it looked, to me it looked more like a flea market. Some vendors were, well, yeah, it seemed like. I mean, I think that's just more the selling style. But yes, uh, but but the but the wall of gray games was not there like how it used to be, or like right. sea of gray games. Yes, correct. or if you want to save in Genesis games, was not there. So uh, b- because I was bored, and because I was like, you know what, I want to see what's going on with expensive games. What's the mo- one of the most expensive NES games? Flintstone Surprise at Dinosaur Peak. That along with Little Samson. Uh, if, if you, you know, come down off the same events high, that's what you look at for games that are hard to find that collectors want that people want. So I decided for the hell to look at what what is it trending? For? What's what's it going on on eBay? I went to eBay in. I looked at it what it's for sale, and not to my surprise, but maybe to my um, uh, I don't know. My 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 I'm going blank here. Uh, it, it was a confirmation that something's happening. Something's happening in terms of these prices starting to slide a bit. And when you go on and you see buy it now for Dinosaur Peak um, in the range of even seven eighty, seven seventy three, you know, it, it's um, it's a surprising beat up copy for five eighty or best best offer. Uh, and I made sure that some of these aren't the PAL ones; that they're the North American ones. And um, you, you definitely see something happening. Uh, because these are games that people would price at nine hundred thousand dollars and leave them there uh, in the past, and that's what but that's what they would be <laughs> be going for. Um, and just to make sure, I, was, I you know if you click on completed listings uh, for Dinosaur Peak uh, for sold, you see what they're selling for. Um, let's see, here's one for five sixty five. With that was an open bid. Uh, here's one for $600. Looks like it was a buy it now. Here's one for 510 with 51 bids. 51 bids, Ian, it only got up to $510. Um, and, the, you know, here's one for only uh, $355. It says 100% uh, original. Is that a South American version or a PAL one? Let me click on it to be sure. Um, that's that's, uh, that's uh, the regular version. Uh, right there, it's probably from South, uh, originally from South America. Like a lot of them were found. So th- this isn't just me saying, "Oh, the bubbles burst." 
But we've definitely seen a regression, I think, from the mean of, of what these games got up to. And I think it's time that people uh, sort of with themselves say, yeah, the, the peak is gone. Dinosaur peak, uh, pun, pun intended here. And that uh, naturally at some point these games get back on the market and people just want to get some cash back for either what they spent or maybe they saw the games go up to an absurd point or say, you know what, I want to I get out right now. And, and that's what these prices tell me at a cursory glance. Because even three years ago, you're not you even a damaged dinosaur peak. You're not going to say would go for three hundred fifty five dollars or five hundred ten dollars. Sure, that just did not happen. So, and then again at, at Portland, when I saw the Double Jump Games had the games behind the glass, you know the higher end NES games, and he, you know, I, I straight up asked, are these selling? And he said they haven't moved all weekend at Portland. So, what do, what do you think when you, when you see stuff like that? Is it? Sort of just, oh, it's not a surprise, you know, it's just sort of... No, it, it doesn't, is what it is. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, I, I work in selling games. I've been watching this kind of happen for the past couple of years. I don't think the crash is immediate. I don't think in the next year we're going to see, you know, all these games, you know, at five bucks again. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, and I don't think that the downward slide is is endless. I don't think these games are going to necessarily slide into complete and total worthlessness. Um, it, at least certainly not within the next 10 to 15 years. I think some, I think video game collecting has become enough of a thing and there is enough, I don't know what I want to say, history behind it now that it's some, that, 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 that there are always going to be rare items that maintain a price. Um, there always will be a bit, I'll say a base level of buyers out there. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think, yes, I think that everything is going to become more grounded within the next, you know, two years. And I think then the prices will kind of stabilize for probably the next 10. That's my guess. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, oh, oh, I will say this, the $355 one, it was a relabel. So that's why that was so low. So I would say that's then an outlier then. Oh yeah, that's um, definitely an outlier. But the, but the ones that are, that, five, I'm surprised, I'm surprised that a fucking relabel gets anything. But the ones that are in the five hundred dollar range, they look okay to me. The ones that I'm saying, there's like, and there's a few, there's a handful of them. Even a six fifty one, uh, there. If you scroll down, um, wow, did that manual? The manual only went for two eighty. For the manual, oh, it's Scandinavian. Okay, as I say, that's extremely low. If that was a North American manual, that's one of the manuals I still need. Um, yeah, it, it's just a slide. Like I said, it may not be a bubble popping, but it'll be a regression to an earlier point in time. When the collectors that got in to inflate the value get out, there's less collectors, there's less interest, there's a sell-off. I'd be interested to see who's buying these if they are sellers looking to say, oh, wow, this is a weird one. I got one for $500. I can flip this dinosaur peak for 900 when they realize they can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. We talk about you know, how many of these games are still in sellers' hands when this happens. And that's when there's a potential bubble burst. Because that's really when the struggle is, is when you have people that w- want to get back an investment, not just say you bought a dinosaur peak. I bought my dinosaur peak for $90 10 years ago, whatever it was. I can hold on to it and not worry about whatever happens to these prices. Right. But if I spent $700 on one hoping to get, make uh, $300 and sell for 1000 now I'm having concerns about it. And yeah. that's what, and that's when it becomes a, a sell-off with with those people, the people who go to conventions that have the same games for now a year, or a year and a half, and can't move them. What are they thinking about? And, and then that's when it's a bubble. So I think it's more going to be a bubble for certain games um, versus obviously the whole set, because there's only there's always certain marquee titles that you know if you're a video game seller, you have before you look in the glass, you know that oh, there's going to have these three or four games. 
like the Dinosaur Peak or Little Samson. Like sure. Those, those I, are the ones that are in most danger. I could see a lot of games in the 30 to $60 range dropping to be $15 games in no time because those are the ones that less people are going to care about as people just collect for certain oh, things sure. that they want. And even to, I mean, I went to the swap meet and there was a seller. On Saturday, I went, something weird was drawing me to swap meet on Saturday, Ian. I had nothing to do. I didn't really buy anything. But there was a video game uh, vendor there who who was selling stuff for his friend, and he said to me, "Yeah, I was surprised to see like a Super Mario Bros. Three was like a fifteen twenty dollars game. Now it's like a nine ten dollars game. I'm just like, you expect it to be that high forever? You know, like it's it's a it's a very common game. It's popular and everyone has it right now. And there's less and less people clamoring to play NES games on their you know on an old CRT. It's just yep. That's just the, that's just the bottom line. So okay, well, so we'll check back on the other ones like this every once in a while. Oh. Did I did I tell you I I, I met the, the the guy who pushed up the Rampart Game Boy prize? Remember we talked about that? He was. Uh, ta- I remember talking about. It, but I don't remember uh, you telling me. You yeah, I met him. the guy. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> this is an interesting story. I like uh, that. That was interesting to me. I, I met the guy, and that was uh, what was that? It was like four or five years ago. We spoke about that, and he still owns some of those copies, trying to slowly integrate them back. Oh, really? Into the population. Yeah, he bought. If, you, if people aren't familiar, it was sort of the not easily. I mean, we always knew this would happen, but a guy that jumped the price of a Rampart uncommon Game Boy black and white game from like $5 to over 20 in the, in the course of a, a couple of months, a few months, just by buying every available copy. And, if, and we sort of knew it. That was sort of confirmation that, yeah, that's how the market works. I saw it with NES games all the time, more like 10 years ago. I saw it with uncommon games uh, back then. All right, moving on, Ian. Yep. Uh, Ian, this is uh, not something we're going to talk about right now, but maybe next week because we were alerted uh, that last night, on on the episode of Pawn Stars, uh, which I'm a little familiar with, a sealed the sealed Super Mario Brothers that that sold to a hundred uh, for a hundred thousand dollars to three people um, appeared on the on the show to try to be bought. Um, the, the Wada certified it and they tried to sell it. And details are I love this word scant right now. They're scant because this is. You know, brand new. I try to look, go on the history.com and yeah, stream it. Yeah, we couldn't it. find anything. I, I, I don't want to talk about it until I actually see it. But from what I saw on Twitter real quick, we'll talk about it next week, that it was valued by whatever expert they had on the show. I don't know if it was Toy Store Johnny guy. They valued it at 300000 That's what I saw reported on Twitter. I have no idea if that's true or not. We'll talk about it next week, though. We're going to be behind the curve in this one, unfortunately. And I try to watch it, uh, and it, I, it wouldn't log me in on history in order to stream it there. So we'll come back to that. Uh, next week all right uh we have a patreon poll topic ian we do ian how do you access the lovely patreon uh poll patreon.com slash cu podcast and uh, where do we get there we get a get an ian writing once a week do some writings i'm behind on the writing i gotta get one knocked out my hand hasn't been on it um we uh put the full video podcast up there i do a video hangout once a month we might we might might think about doing a youtube subscription for the full uh, the full video as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. I think there's something there. People, it'll be easier to get that uh, to people that want it there. So our poll topic du jour uh, of the week in third place. Wow, this is a this was a blowout, and this isn't having one or two bad choices because the second and third place are about the same. Third place are the Marvel movies heading in the right direction, moving on from the A heroes to lesser known heroes. Sixteen percent. Second place at seventeen percent, almost a tie. Do the Smash third party characters encourage players trying their games? And in the first place at 68%, Ian, what game and or genre would you prevent from ever existing at all if you could? What would I... <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, so it's it's tough because I, 
I don't know. You go first. I got to think on this one for wow. a second. Dean's not usually uh, yeah. at a loss for words in the podcast here. All right. So I went through this from a pr- pragmatic standpoint. You would think, Pat, you hate uh, you know games like like Guitar Hero, Rock Band. You should you should you know do your little weenie weenie genie wish <laughs> weenies. Genie plus wish, uh, genie wish, and get rid of it from existing. And it's like, no, it's harmless. I don't play them. You know, they kind of died out on their own a little bit anyway. That's fine. It doesn't doesn't really harm me anymore. Uh, I have more of a pragmatic stance because my my drug is is strategy games, uh, turn based and 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 real time, but turn based like Civilization, Age of Empires, stuff like that that I'm into. So for me, it's pragmatic. If those never existed, th- those were always like my drug. It's weird that was actually uh, where I was leaning because uh, I can't be that negative, but it's like uh, I'm trying to think of games that keep me yes. and something like Civilization. Uh, Civ shouldn't exist. Wow. Okay. Um, that's like my favorite game. Uh, yeah, those games um, just just hit me in my analytic, overly um, detail-oriented nature at such a, a weird spot that I just love those games so much and can lose days to them. Or a whole summer in high school and just play them until my whole... It's like a fucking drug. That's like the most I've ever been an addict. I'll, I'll say that. Never been an addict for gambling or alcohol or drugs. I've been a game addict when it came to Civilization. I absolutely have. I couldn't stop playing those games. Civilization 2. Civilization 2 when it came out was a masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. And from what I hear, Civ 4 was a masterpiece. And the new one, what, Civ 6 is a masterpiece. Civ 6 is great. It's like, it's like the Star Trek movies. Every, every, every uh, even number one, like a masterpiece, I guess. That's, that's what, or, or a good one. Yeah, 4 and was fantastic. I'm, well. I'm afraid to play these games. No, there was, I, I remember I might have gotten it somewhat semi legal way. I downloaded um, to- Total War Rome. And I was like, I had it queued up, ready to install, and I stopped myself because I said, as soon as I play, start playing this game, what was that two thousand two, two thousand three, where they had like um, c- city, state specific attire and things like that, and f- banner flags, and I'm like, this is incredible. Uh, I will never stop playing this game as soon as I start playing it. I cannot play this game. I prevented myself <laughs> from that first injection of Rome Total War. I never played it to this day. Because those are the type of games that I would never stop playing. And there's no other game I could say that I would never stop playing a game. Even RPGs, I'm like, you know, when I was into RPG playing a little bit, like Chrono Triggers, I'm like, yeah, I can stop at some point. And those games do stop. The problem with the strategy games is that you can keep playing them and replay them. You can play Civilization because it'll create all new worlds. Every game is different right. with Civilization. It's a fucking drug. Yeah. It's a drug to me. I can't I can't get on a negative enough kick to like be like oh this genre that I generally don't like I don't want it to exist anymore. Yeah. Um I mean for me like you could get rid of MMOs and I wouldn't bat an eye. I like some online see, games. So I thought about that cuz that's cuz that's a game that has ruined people's lives. It's true. So MMOs uh, but I also understand that they have been very useful for some people. Some people yeah. Sure. I mean some people it it, it it hasn't sealed them off from the world it's given them exposure to the world it's given them exposure friendship. to people it's, some it's people have gotten married friendship. from mmos so i think yeah. mmos that was going to be my initial response um but i just can't I, I can't sit here and pretend like there aren't good things about them um so yeah i would have to go pragmatic as well and i would have to go slightly more amusing than anything and i would i would have to say um you know at least for my health uh you know two games if i could just eliminate them from ever existing uh Civilization and Fire Pro Wrestling. I would get so much time back 
if Fire Pro Wrestling had never existed. However, I can't see. I can't even give because Fire Pro Wrestling really brought me and my one friend together for many, many years. But in terms of like games that I will just sit there and go one more and one more and one more. It's Fire Pro. Just like Civilization is going to give you a bunch of brand new worlds every time you play. It's just going to reshuffle that deck. Sure. When you have a good Fire Pro memory card, there's always one more stupid fucking matchup that you want to play out. <laughs> I want to see I want to see Disco fight some random Japanese wrestler, uh, Giant Saba or whatever. Giant Baba. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to do something like that. Let's do fucking Tugboat versus Junakiyama. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's, it's like your version... Hey, it's like your version of the Saudis. I want my puppets yeah, to play, exactly, my little yes. toys to play. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's action figures. So, I don't know. Weird question. I'm just not in, like, one of those negative enough moods to, like, just rail on something. No. But, I, I did mean, think about MMOs. Meaning you thought the same about this. My initial answer would probably oh. be MMOs. Personally, because it would never affect me. And, yes, I mean, I, I've known a lot of people who, who had their lives just sucked away. It, but I know it's also been good for people. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like these games don't also do good thing I, I, yeah but i wish if but if it's like this is like this is almost like uh the part trying to play god if something's good for 10 percent of the people but more negative for 90 percent, you yeah. still allow it to exist all right so i'm i'll i'll, I'll fucking I'll, I'll 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 trash mmos but i'll leave certain but but that still will allow for things like diablo fantasy star online because they are not <laughs> mmos they are online RPGs, but they are not massively multiplayer. So there's a more addictive quality to MMOs, obviously, with the, well, with MMO... the clans and the guilds and right, time exactly. commitment. Because my my, my uh, sister's first husband um, was in a clan for for World of Warcraft. We're talking 2004, 2005, when it was gigantic when it first came out. And um, yeah, that strained a little bit because it was like every Tuesday he had to be at night at 7:30 or 8 o'clock. Sure. It's like, what if you want to hang out with your wife, you know, instead? Yeah. You're hanging out with strangers in a game like that's that could be damaging. On one hand, I you know? always look at it one way. It's like lots of we have lots of things that we do that require commitments and that we 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 you know set the time aside for. Say you're taking piano lessons or you go to karate. Say you know that might be every Wednesday at eight thirty. I think it's okay to take something like a game that you enjoy and be like, okay, look. For the next foreseeable future, this is what I'm doing. Every Friday night, I'm playing this game with my friends at 6. But that's never how it goes with MMOs. It's never just Friday. It's it Friday. It turns into Friday and Saturday. Tuesday for practice. Right. And then right. Wednesday. And then, and then, and then, and then I, a lot of times I've seen stuff like that where, you know, other things in people's lives will bend. Well, maybe I don't need to go to that 7.30 karate lesson. Maybe I don't need to go to the gym at 5. But... I can't miss this at 8 o'clock, you know, with my clan on World of Warcraft. The priority definitely tends to shift and harden, I see, sometimes in unhealthy ways. That's all. I'm all not right. saying they're bad. I'm just saying that's 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 my answer you to know that what? hypothetical. I want to get rid of platformers just just to annoy everyone because that's probably the most popular, you know, game genre, the, you know, historically. We'll just get rid of get rid of all platforms. We're gone. All right, well, thanks for the question. See you, podcast.com. Oh, I screwed it up. Wow, Pat screwed it up. Mm-hmm. You sure did. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. <laughs> All right, we got Q&A time on the CU Podcast. Uh, this is from at David Mastrine. What do you think about the rise in new NES games like Micro Majors, which we talked about on the podcast, and the game Project Blue that just got funded for over 40000 Ian, what do you think about the the uh, the homebrew scene right now with, with the NES? Games? Honestly, uh, another game that I, I've liked that I've seen on the homebrew scene uh, that I'll mention is, I believe it's called uh, Bat Puncher. Bat Puncher? Bat Puncher. 
Bat Puncher. Uh, maybe Super Bat Puncher. Look it up. But it's for NES. I played a demo of it. Okay. Um, and it was really fun. I think we're finally getting to the point with NES homebrews where we're starting to see stuff that in uh, some ways uh, looks to be like the level of what retail releases we're getting We're to inching be. towards games that came out in the 80s. And, and it's very exciting. Oh, Bat Puncher looks great. Bat Puncher was fun. You have a giant boxing glove. Yeah. Or yeah. like, like rocking cats. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what it yeah. is. My, 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 my good friend Lincoln brought a demo over the one day on uh, Flash Cart and we played it. And I was like, this is fucking good. I like it. Um, but we're finally getting to the point where they're starting to look like retail releases. And uh, I think a lot of them are actually, um, you know... Uh, a good time. Um, I like smaller, simpler homebrew, for instance, on like things like Game Boy. I love playing Game Boy homebrew games. Just the, the games that are obviously just testing out a theory or an idea or whatever, and they're not really fleshed out. But it seemed, but on a Game Boy, it makes sense. Portable, small, bite-sized gaming. For a long time on NES, a lot of the games that you know were, were coming out as homebrews seemed fairly simple. And they didn't necessarily hold my attention for long. Sure. Some of them could be done very well, but you, you, all the games looked like things that, you know, they were, it, it seemed like it was, I want to put out a game on the NES. What, what am I going to, what can I, what can I feasibly do? Now it seems like people are using their imagination more, developing yes. things a bit well, better. We're, we're about, so when did, when did Battle Kid, Kid come out? 2000, 2009? We're about ten years into. And, and Battle um, Kid was a big, was a hallmark moment for the for yes. the homebrew as well. That was a pretty big like jump up from what we had. Yes, seen. Civac doing that was gigantic. Uh, and and this is what's happened the past ten years. When so when Civac's doing it, it's one man band. You got to know binary. You got to do all the art yourself and all the music. And that's how it's continued for the most part until probably the last few years. Someone like George uh, Granado coming out with the NES Maker and his team. That opened this up to a lot more people. That opened up people making their own tools more and collaborating. And that's and now when you see homebrew development, uh, you know, Haunted 85 and 86, when you see them being a st- step above, and say, an auteur project, is because you have now have teams doing this. You have three, maybe three people working on it. Maybe one person does the programming, one person does the graphics, one person does the sound. It more traditionally re- uh, resembles what game programming used to be. Right. To your point. So we're inching closer. Now some of the games... Back in the day, the, the, the high-end ones, like Mega Man, you had dozens of people working on them. Sure. You know, like Capcom. So we're not going to be at that point maybe anytime soon, or but we're getting somewhat closer to there. Because, again, these tools that come out, and NES makers opened it up to a lot more people. Because you can be a good programmer, but that doesn't mean you know good level design or know how to program good music or know how to uh, do good sprite work. You had to do everything yourself 10 years ago, 5, 6 years ago. Now you can bring other people in. Right. So if I was doing a game, I wouldn't do the music. I'd hire someone to do the music. I might do the do the the general design, but I'm gonna have someone else do do the do the artwork. You know, that's that's more traditionally what what game development uh, is. And uh, yeah, I, I think the one thing to be careful of is that just because you see there's an interest in all this stuff, you have to look at what the um, there's always going to be a ceiling for someone for some for say the NES style or, or wanting it on NES cartridge. We still don't have many games break out above, you know, three, four hundred games on the cartridge. I'd say probably ninety percent of these homebrews don't get above a few hundred people that actually get the physical game. So it, there is still an interest, but it's still people our age. 
uh, you know, the people that are around for the NES stuff. Well, it'd be interesting yeah. to see though how many people, how, how many, like how much does the ROM sell? I mean, you know. Oh, sure, and, and probably the haunted games are, are your best sort of ways to look at that haunted eighty five, eighty six because those do well from what I know on the Xbox store, and then they get on Switch finally and Steam, so those get around. Sure, but the but the but the ratio of the people playing the digital versus the cartridge, obviously, people most people are going to have to have the digital version of that. And so that's what I'm going to say. If, if, if it's cool to put something on, I'm not going to say it's not cool putting something on an original NES cart. I still want to do it. I, I have a couple ideas in my head uh, uh, for that, um, and it might still happen at some point. But I still know that for it to be a viable, a viable idea in terms of actually you know recouping costs and making money, it's got to be also something digital. It just has to be. So we look at like this uh, Project Blue, which does look good. It kind of resembles Battle Kid in a way. There's single screen, uh, single screens at a time. You're jumping around. You, you look like a, you look kind of look like Battle Kid a little bit. Uh, it's a little more. It's more involved in Battle Kid. Obviously, you look cute little green slimes. There's a little. Uh, there's a lot more mechanics in Battle Kid. But um, when you look at how many people actually got the cartridge, the digital the digital game is 253, uh, and, and then the cartridge you have let's see, 190 plus that's three 360 360. You have less. Uh, Oh, you got a special edition? All right, you have about 500 people that got the physical uh, cart. That's actually pretty good. But that's about what your ceiling is for these games, for the most part, uh, on a physical cart. That's what pretty much what they've been here. So check it out. Check out Project Blue. Uh, the, it ended the Kickstarter a few days ago. We missed out on it. But it's, it's good to see. And I see uh, these uh, more and more conventions, and a lot of them look great. I'm not saying they don't. It's just that for the aesthetic and the style, there is sort of a, a ceiling of the audience for how many people are, are, into, are into them. All right, uh, let's see what we got here. Do do one more, Ian? Yeah, we'll do one more. All right, this is from an Annoyed Robot X. With so many AAA games having paid DLC, microtransactions, loot boxes, etc., added to games that are already $60 new, do game budgets need to be reduced, or do the price of games need to increase to reduce the prevalence of these practices? I'm getting a little heated right now. So um, I've said this before. I'm pretty sure I've said it on here, but maybe not super recently. Um, I have said for a long, long time that video games need to get rid of this notion of a $60 price point being the standard price point. Or I guess the maximum price point. Because no game that almost no game that comes out these days is $60 flat if you want to include the DLC and everything else that comes out. Look. Books don't have one price. Records don't have one price. Very few things have one price. Sure. Charge what you think the fucking game is. Board games don't do it. It's not like all board games are thirty nine ninety nine. you know, whether they're made with it. Just charge the price that you think the fucking game is worth. I realize that I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of business reasons why they don't fear of paying for, oh my God, that well, game's a hundred. Well, and now that there's been, you know, decade, you know, at least a decade of all this microtransactioning, I think if you did charge for a full game at a hundred, people would still be skeptical about there being DLC or added stuff. I see. But, but, we, but we do charge downwards for games. Some, I mean, you know, indie games are far more fluid in what they're charging. But not AAA. But not AAA. I think that we really need to get to the point where it's time to look at the AAA price point potentially going up. When did that? When did that solidify at sixty dollars? Would you say was that like early two thousands? That sort of solidified? that was that was right. At, I would say after the PlayStation One era. I would say PlayStation Two era, 
Xbox GameCube era, I think, was when it all started to solidify. Because the car- there was still some... cartridges would any there were some NES games that were eighty dollars, some were fifty, some yeah, were forty. There, there was a lot. You know, and, Super and Nintendo it, was the same way. It had to based on the materials it was yeah. actually going to use in the cart, memory chips, things like that. So I, I mean, I think that there's an argument to be made for that here. Now, they kind of do. Oh, you can get the limited edition, the deluxe edition. But it's the phrasing that I think drives some people nuts, and it drives me. There's nothing deluxe about me buying the full game up front. I mean, that that's just an edition. That's just that's just the full edition. You know, I mean, you change the regular edition to starter edition. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. Yes, they're putting full games in to these. But, you know, so many of these, most AAA games, you are missing something down the line if you're not buying the DLC. Yeah. Um, it, 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 for a long time now, the full price of a game has been $100. Just fucking sell me the $100 game. Yeah, and, and that's the value. The value of what a $60 game was 20 years ago. $60 is worth like $100 now anyway, so you're not paying more. I mean, I, we talked about inflation before, but no one ever brings up inflation. I don't know why we never talk about inflation when it comes to this stuff. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I do think that we need to get to that point. I think I think we bring it up to 100 you know, for certain games, and we eliminate the amount of DLC. We eliminate the microtransactions. We let people have some fucking but cosmetic items. They got to say it up front and yes. then stick to it. Well, because, yeah, because of the, the, well, that's what I just, minute... that's what I just said was yeah. that uh, I think there is. I, I I can understand from a certain level because I'm sure there's some consumer fear that if someone says we're releasing this game at a hundred dollars, no DLC, their immediate reaction is going to be like, "Fuck you!" There's going to be DLC. Yeah, because someone all it takes is like one company like Konami or Capcom to say, "Oh yeah, we're going to put out this Resident Evil edition." Remember that? Look at the, the typewriter bullshit. <laughs> um, I almost forgot about that. Or okay, we're going to put this game for ninety nine ninety nine. And you're going to get all this stuff. This is what we do. We normally we split it out separately. You're going to get all this stuff. All it takes is all it, it takes them to all it screw takes it up. Is, a, is a time machine back to Street Fighter Four, where Capcom goes. You know what? We can charge people for costumes instead of letting them unlock them, and then you start the whole cycle all over again. Because unfortunately, I'm not a consumer. People pay for it. People pay out the butt for stuff, and they don't think about it. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they have the money. They don't worry about their mortgage. But people end up spending a couple hundred dollars on, on all the extra all this extra crap, and it happens with mobile games too. They'll keep continuing to do it. There's no, there's no discipline as a consumer. I'm sure that for business reasons, there's many reasons not we, to. But I would. We, we didn't talk about the Super Mario uh, app. How how much money Nintendo's raking in from that? We didn't even talk about that. Which one? The the, the Super Mario the Super Mario cart uh, app game. Uh, I have no idea how much money they're raking in from it. A, a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess I I realize that there's money to be made in doing it bits and pieces wise, but. Look, charge me more and let me get fucking cosmetics back for free, please. At least cosmetics. Please let me get cosmetics back for free. I don't want to pay for a cosmetic. As a person, like, I want stuff to unlock in a game. Give me some unlockables back. Charge me more for the base game outright. But they don't but make, give me unlockables. They don't make money on you doing that. They, right. But they, they could make money on char- I, look, I, charging. I, look, I, look, I know it's partially just me. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but I would feel a whole lot less insulted if they would just charge me 100 for the game and not give me a $60 bare bones option. Uh, in terms of revenue, Mar- I mean, it's DLC, but whatever. Mario Kart Tour in its first month was downloaded over 123 million times, um, generated $37.4 million in player spending so far. That's in one month. One month, Ian. Uh, it came down to an average of twenty six uh, cents spent per player, but I guarantee you 
That's not the average. People are either spending nothing or a lot. Well, that's the old, it's the old yeah. discussion on what's called a whale in a mobile yes. game. You, you don't have a lot of people who spend anything close to an average. You have a bunch of people who spend nothing and a few people who yeah. spend the maximum. You, half the people are probably not spending anything that download it. Then you have a, a, ch- a chunk that are spending probably 40, 50 bucks yeah. each. And that's how this comes down to. Um, so, yeah. Well... I don't know what else to say about this. I, I would, I'd be on board for that. I'd be on board for like, I mean, they do it with the pinball machines. They do the, they do the, the special. Don't edition. even get me started on the fucking <laughs> pinball machines. Well, yeah, because who, who's buying the crappy standard one? Lots of people. And they it, do? And it, and it fucking ruins what could have otherwise been, you know, like. Well, blame Stern for that, I guess. Oh, no, I, I, I mean, I'm wearing the shirt. Yeah. And I, and I love, I love the, I love a lot of their machines. <laughs> but no, no, I, I fucking cannot stand the pro. Three I, versions of machines. Just give you two, three they do. Well, one's usually just like a nicer cosmetic cabinet, but there's Still. two there's two versions of playfields, and that will oh, that- never stop fucking driving me insane. All you have to do is look at, and I could not, I really don't like uh, Black Knight Sword of Rage, but Black Knight Sword of Rage, the pro model, does not have the second level. Playfields. You just eliminate a whole second. And, 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 so that and, changes the entire game. And ACDC yeah. was another one that had a huge change like that. ACDC, the pro yeah. version, doesn't have the subplay field. Who would buy the regular one without that then? People who put them on. I, I always refer. I don't know if it was meant with what they were meant to, but I always thought, I thought of them as production models. They're the ones you put out on the fucking floor. You know? Granted. I, I feel like that was meant to be like the ones people would buy and throw out on like operating routes. But the thing is, is now places that have pinball machines for the most part are there. It's, it's niche enough that to drag people out, you're going to want to have the, the, want the full one model. Yeah. Now, uh, not, not all, not, not all of the really nice models. I mean, you still see the pro models out like for um, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, the, the limited version is fantastic it is but the pro model plays great like a lot of these have things that you know they they, they engineer them in ways so that they play better but uh, you know, whatever i can't i can't i can't handle that sometimes it drives me insane it feels like you're getting half a machine i wonder who the fuck pays seven lots of people do but you're paying six thousand five hundred for one as opposed to eight thousand and you're missing for certain titles like star wars not that big of a deal but i feel like with some like the ones i mentioned huge deal Annoying. Fucking annoying. We love you, Stern. Thanks for the t-shirts there. Good t-shirt. Thank you. I like it. I like I like a lot of your machines. I like Jurassic Park. Tron's yeah. like my favorite machine in the past 15 years. But Iron Maiden's outstanding. I'm sorry. Three versions of a pinball machine is really rough. Like, like I said, I don't care if they right. want to fucking do a powder-coated fucking fancy mirror-backed whatever. If some guys as long got as, the, as long as the mechanics, if some thing, guys yeah. got the money, that's fine. But really, I, 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 the the whole lesser version just drives me insane. It'd be like, like buying a video game and, and whole whole gameplay features are just missing in that version of it. Like, yeah, a, and, and the know. thing is, obviously, with a pinball machine, you can't go and add that back later. You just buy it all at once, or you don't. Oh, you can't get an upgrade kit. Yeah, yeah installed. You, you can't buy the second, you know, Tier. the second, the <laughs> second <laughs> level for Swords of Rage. Yeah, you couldn't just have some have have Billy Billy Pinball guy uh, install that. All right, went off on a tangent there, but we made it interesting there. There you go. All right, I think that's it for the CU podcast. Well, this is a strange one, indeed. Was would, it? Eh. it? Seemed normal to me. I'm in a weird mood right now. I'm in a weird mood, you know. Um, what was I going to say? yeah go check out check out uh ultimate nintendo.com for for snes and nes books all the pre-orders are shipped 
I only put, I only get 10 emails a day now asking where my book is instead of like 25. So that's good. They're all getting out there and only, only a few, only like three damages out of all the, all the ones sent out. So that's good. I, I paid for the extra material. So the, you know, the extra, extra, what do they call it? High impact bubble. It's, it's like the thicker, you know, the thicker uh, ones. I see. I not, see. Not the, the thin ones don't do shit. You need, you need right. like the, the ones that are, you got to like punch it to, to really do anything to them there. Um, what else is going on? I don't know. I got, I got a haircut. Did you? Yeah. You didn't notice, Ian? No. How could you not notice? It's like three inches shorter. It is, I guess. That's what he said. She said, oh, I took like three inches off. I said, you took three inches? I was like, holy shit. But it'll grow out in like two weeks. It'll be... I, I, got, the, I, got, the, uh, I got the Jarvis special, the Phase Jarvis special. <laughs> I, uh, I'm kind of excited. I have to go to... Uh, as soon as uh, I leave here, I have to go to Walmart to go to the pharmacy. I have to pick up a prescription. I haven't been to a Walmart in I don't even know how long. I kind of forget Walmarts exist. They're those things that everyone talks about. I, it, it'll be interesting to walk through the halls of consumerism, I think, and, and see what a Walmart is it's like. It's the same as a CVS, Ian. A Walmart? I don't know. Walmarts are big. Oh, no, Walmart. I was, I was thinking Walgreens. No, Walmart. Yeah. Well, no, Walmart's special. I mean, I've been to Target's before. Oh, no. And I, I stopped into a Walmart briefly with my friend Eric from Retail Archaeology when we were filming like a year and a half ago. But I haven't actually no, Walmarts walked. Walmarts are weird. I haven't, but uh, if I have to get in the fucking lift and go to pick up my prescription, I'm going to take it in. I'm going to breathe Wal- in the Walmart. Wal- going to see what it's all about. Walmart is like the Cantina Cafe of retail stores. I'm sure you don't know what you're going to see in there. It's, I, yeah. It, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm not saying it's all scum and villainy like in the Cantina, cantina but you'll, you see whatever. There's a whole, there's a whole, what is it, people of, Wal- of Walmart websites where they... Sure. Chronicle the people that go to Walmart. It's not that I'm too good for Walmart, but it's like I have a Target around the house, a corner from my Target. Ha- I have a Target around the corner from the apartment. I love Target. That's fine. That's yeah, Target's fine. great. The Walmart is out further, but I don't have health insurance anymore, and medication is expensive. And the lady's like, "This prescription will be nine dollars at Walmart," and I said, "Fucking send it to Walmart. I'll go pick it up." You don't have insurance anymore? I haven't had it. I told you that a long time ago. I haven't had insurance since August. I can't afford insurance. Four hundred fifty <laughs> fucking dollars a month for Kaiser Permanente. Eat my asshole. You, you, that much? I'm only paying three, three something. Yeah, they well, they didn't how like. Do you know, how, how are you paying? There's no way you're paying. You're paying more than me. Yes, yes, there was Pat. There's no way because I don't get. I don't get any refund on that. I don't there, get any help. There very much was, and oh. I very much was, and my doctor very much just kept canceling my appointments when he was sick, and very much telling me, "Hey, Dad, fine, reschedule for six months." So I was paying a lot of money for. Fuck all. Well, you're still paying money because you're not getting penalized for the IRS. You don't get penalized. Oh, you don't get penalized anymore. anymore. Oh, the, the oh, that's the, that's the one good thing gone. Well, we need a different system. That's a whole other podcast. We need we need a public yep. option. Very different. Anyways, uh, on that note, I'm off to Walmart. Oh, gee, I, I know. I, 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 share, I can share your my insurance with you. We can go have these on. We can be a couple. <laughs> might as well because I haven't used it. My shoulders bother me. I might use. It. I haven't gone to the doctors in years. I, sh- I should probably go. You should go. I should probably. You go. should use that insurance. I should use the insurance that I'm not. I'm paying thirty six hundred dollars a year for just so I don't get taxed anymore. You don't get taxed anymore. Whatever, it's still good to have in case I get in a car accident. It's but good if, to have. But you get a car accident, you get insurance for that. So that's I'd be fine with the car accident either way. Whatever, right, we we need a public option. We'll we'll get it done. We have to. Sorry. Anyway, what? Goodbye. All right, everyone. Thanks for the see you podcast. <laughs> hey, if you got the book and you see the Amazon listing on, you want to you know leave a leave, leave a comment and. Subscribe? No, don't subscribe. Just, just, just leave a little review on Amazon. It helps, it helps the book when it's on there. Appreciate that. All right, we'll see you in a week for for Ian Ferguson on Pat Contry. We'll see you at Walmart.